grab a Bible or your phone or however you go to a Bible. Luke chapter 2. I'm going to read one of the most beautiful passages in the scriptures. This passage, um, this passage, it's 21 verses. Luke chapter 2, verse 1 through 21. It has changed history. It has produced songs. It has saved economies. <laughs> These 21 verses literally save the economy every year. That's what happens. 21 verses. Um, I'm not making that up. That's what happens every year. <laughs> These 21 verses save the economy every year. Um, so I'm going to read these verses. I could uh, preach on this every year. And I could preach on this multiple times, in, even in a given year, but I'm going to preach on it once. Um, this is the last Sunday of the year. It's, it's worth thinking about and chewing much on what is given to us in these, ver- in these, in these words. And... Um, I'm going to preach from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 21 in a message that I have entitled Christmas, Time, and the Glory of God. Verse 1, this is the Word of God. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them. In the end, that's it. Those few words, no place for them in the end. Verse 8. In the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring to you good news of great joy. That will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them, Into heaven the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Let me pray for today's message. Such a simple little story, and yet a world a world 
of meaning to a people, to people hungering, who are poor, deeply poor inside, Lord. You invite to come, behold the face of God. And I pray now, Lord, as we wrap up this year of 2013, (coughs) for some maybe it was a very hard year, a painful year, a lonely year. And I pray that this word would be a comfort. And for maybe some of us, we've had a good year. Maybe some good things happened and our circumstances were good. But I pray that beyond success and nice things and health and wealth, that you would call us. You would call us to a deeper glory, a deeper meaning, to count our days and measure our days in the light of what you offer us and what you invite us to through the face of this child, through the face of God himself, through the face of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. I have three parts for our message today. Part one, I'm going to call Christmas, Lowliness, and Inner Poverty. Christmas, Lowliness, and Inner Poverty. Part two, Time and the Measure of Our Days. Time and the Measure of Our Days. And part three, Seeing the Glory of God. Seeing the Glory of God. Christmas, Christmas, lowliness. Um, you can get into this part one of my message. Uh, this is a really familiar passage, isn't it? I mean, most of you, especially if you've grown up in the church, maybe if you haven't grown up in the church, you, you've heard this passage, or have you? Um, there's a, you know, if you think of the, the, this Christmas, you, you all know the Christmas scene, the nativity scene. There's a, there's a stable, and there are animals. And there's a, there's a little manger and a perfect little baby. you got a couple sitting there and a, couple, and, a, and a perfect little baby in this manger. And who else is there? You know, you've got the animals. And you have the shepherds. And, and then who else is there? Hmm? Who else is there? The wise men? Are they there? In your mind, according to all these little nativity scenes, you drive around and people have them in their front yards. You got the wise men there too, right? I mean, and, and by the way, there are not three of them. The Bible didn't, never said there were three of them. There are three gifts. But the Bible never said there were three wise men. They're, they're, made, they're just plural. There may have been two, there may have been ten. But, but by the way, the Bible, according to the Bible, they're not there. If you go to Matthew chapter 2, or is it three? I forget. Um, in the early chapters of Matthew, when the Magi come and visit Joseph and Mary, they visit a house. There's a star that shines over a house, and they visit a house. But in the very first scenes, when Jesus is born, in this stable, the, the Magi, they are not there. Right? The very first people who are invited, they are poor. Right. This little, it's, it's a very, the words are very economical. Mary laid him in a manger, wrapped him in swaddling cloths. Swaddling cloths are, it's not fancy. <laughs> swaddling cloths, is, it's like the stuff that's left over. It's poor people's cloths. It's like, like sacks. 
she laid him in poor leftover cloths. And she put him in a manger. And you understand what a manger is? A manger is a feeding trough. And she's in a place because there's no place for them in the inn. That's what she says. You know, you see this. It's, it's a pretty scene, isn't it? But it's really not. It's not a pretty scene. It's actually a pathetic scene. It's actually, in very ways, a sad scene. There is a couple. And in these words, they, you, know, you, you guys know what it's like. You go to a town. I mean, this is a convention town. A lot of conventions happen in this town. A lot of gatherings happen in this town. I don't know if you know, the, the hotel rates spike in this town whenever these weekends happen. And you go into a town, and if there's a large gathering, and all the hotel rooms get filled up, it's not that there are no rooms that are left. It's just that you just can't afford them. <laughs> the, the, the prices shoot up. There was no place for them in the inn. It doesn't mean that there were no rooms. It just means they can't afford any of them. Years ago, my, my, my mom and dad, um, I drove across country with my folks, and we drove through Reno. Reno has tons of rooms. It's a gambling town. I mean, we got to fill up these rooms, and these rooms, most of them are cheap because they're not trying to get you, they're not trying to get your money through the rooms, they're trying to get you through your wallet when you blow your money after having had too many drinks from the free drinks. <laughs> That's how they get you your money in Reno. So we drove to Reno, we hit Reno, it's night. I'm thinking, there's no way you have to reserve a room in Reno. But somehow there was some kind of like gathering of motorcycle. I don't know what it was. There was all these bikers in town and there was there wasn't any space. We went from one we were going to the dumpy motels. From one dumpy motel to another, we'd walk in. They'd say, you have any rooms? Yeah, uh, yeah, we got two rooms. And what do they cost? And literally, there were four times the cost, the normal cost. And they were asking like 200 bucks, some stupid amount of money for this crappy room. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> so they went to another place, and they said the same thing. I was like, oh, my goodness. And they said, wait, you're not going to find any rooms. And... Um, well, we, we weren't that poor, so we just pulled out a little plastic and got ripped off that night. And my mom was none too happy <laughs> to stay in a dumpy room. And that was our experience that night. But if you can't whip out a piece of plastic and you're not wealthy enough to get ripped off, I guess you end up here. That's what this story is telling you. Poor people. And it's not nice. A feeding trough. Away in a feeding trough. <laughs> what if the song was away in a feeding trough? That's where they laid the poor baby. They led him in an animal's feeding trough. That's a pretty sad place. We have young mothers. We have young mothers in, in our church. And if the first place they would have to lay their newborn baby was not in a nice bed, in a nice sterile hospital, but in a dirty feeding trough where you get to smell all the beautiful smells of all the beautiful animals. Yes, they're such beautiful animals, right? They're so beautiful when they just crap all over the place in this stable. 
And they're so beautiful when they haven't been hosed down for weeks. And this is where the baby gets to have his first bed. And there's other things that are not said in these little economical pieces of words. You have a a young couple. You have this guy. And I don't know if they quite know, but he's not married. So when they show up at the end, they can't go around saying, well, this is my wife. Well, this is my my fiancé. And she's sort of uh, big. And this is a very family-oriented, traditional, and conservative culture. You have a guy with his fiancée, and she's showing. They're going to be like, oh, shotgun marriage, huh? There's a good chance that one of the reasons why they weren't given a room is because no one wanted to give them a room. Just get out of here. You're not respectable people. You're not clean people. You're not decent people. You don't get a room here. They were poor. They were poor. They were outcast. They were scandalous. This is the mom and the dad of the Son of God. (laughs) And the first people that get invited, like I told you, the wise men, these are the guys that studied They came from far off. They were educated. They actually had gifts called of gold. They have money. They were not the first people invited to come see the face of God. (laughs) Who were the first people invited? They were shepherds. And shepherds are not, where do you think they are on on the socioeconomic totem pole? You think they're in the middle? Nope. Try lower. <laughs> they're low. They're often illiterate and uneducated. And these guys are coming from the fields. So it's not like they're coming from their house after they took a shower. They're lying out in the fields with their stinky sheep. And they get invited, they get quite an invitation. They get a very personal invitation from God. It's not, not, not a little Evite. <laughs> it wasn't an Evite. It wasn't a little 3 by 5 card that came in the mail. It was an angel that scared them to death. <laughs> and they said, come. The very first people invited were low, and they were poor. You know, the, this theme in, in the Gospel of Luke, it's, it's very repeated. In the Gospel of Matthew, when Jesus gives this very famous sermon that we call the Sermon on the Mount, he starts off by saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit. But in the Gospel of Luke, when Jesus is recorded, when he gives those words, this is what he says. He says, he didn't say the blessed are the poor in spirit. He says, blessed are the poor. And when God looks at the poor, he doesn't really actually fundamentally just see financial poverty. He doesn't only look at economically poor. He looks at those who are poor in status. They lack power in society. But he also looks at the inner heart 
And that's why the poor in spirit, and blessed are the poor, that's not quite the same, but to God, they are the same. Because see, when God looks at the world, you know, I, I sometimes think about this. God looks at Silicon Valley. He looks at the poor side of Silicon Valley, and there are poor parts of our, our county. And then he looks up toward, you know, over there toward Palo Alto, and he probably looks at Sergey Brin's house. I don't know if you know who Sergey Brin is. He, he's one of the founders of Google. I recently read he's worth $25 billion, with a B, billion. You, you could actually go to his, you, I don't know if you can actually go to his house, because it's probably gated. It's out in the woods someplace out there. And he's one of the richest people on the whole planet, and he lives, he lives around here, somewhere not too far from here. And when God looks at Sergey Brin, you know, the richest man on the planet, he looks into his heart. And you know what he sees? He sees poverty. That's what he sees. He sees poverty. When God invites people to come to his birth, and you know, babies, babies get born and we celebrate babies. Um, you get invitations. Um, just yesterday, my wife and I were invited to my nephew's 100th day. And for, for, for those of you who may, who may not be Korean, you know, this is my, 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 uh, my cousin. This is my cousin's baby. He's, he's Korean. His wife's Korean. Uh, Koreans like to celebrate the 100th day of a baby because, you know, many years ago, a lot of kids didn't make it to their 100 days. And so, you know, that was, it, was a cel- it was a great day. <laughs> Go. We had a great, we had a, I, I gave a, a short message at this, uh, you know, we had a worship service. We had a really good spread of food, and then it was cute. The kid, I mean, the huge kid. He was a huge kid, okay? <laughs> if it doesn't matter, huge kid. We're, like, taking all these pictures, and he's the star, right? And it's a, it's a blessed day. And God, God has, invites people, too. But who does he invite? He invites poor people. God, if you were to get, get in the line of all the people who get invited to come meet God. Those who have education, those who know the Bible, those who study, those who can bring a gift of, of, uh, of gold, they come later. They come later in the line. The people toward the front of the line, they're very poor. One of these days, we're going to get into a line. They're going to heaven. At the front will be very poor people. And Christmas... I start off with this message this way. Um, this is, I, I think it's very good that our culture, I, I love that our culture celebrates Christmas at the end of the year. Um, and I hope Christmas is still on your mind. Some of you, you know, we, we have a certain way we celebrate Christmas. We have the gifts, and it's, it's a flurry of activity, and it's family, and, you know, we have the tree, and some of you are soon going to be taking down the tree and your ornaments, and all the hubbub has, has died down. But this is real Christmas, guys. This is the way our culture celebrates Christmas, but real Christmas is lowly. And as we wrap up this year, I I wanted us to to think on this, that God invites you to those who invite you to Christmas. The first people invites, he invites those who are lowly and poor. And if you don't see yourself here, then then get further back in line. (laughs) 
But actually, if you really see yourself the way God sees you, even the way God sees Sergey Brin, you're actually very quite poor inside. And it's an invitation to those who have poverty, inside and out, all the way, to come, right? Meet him at his birth. That's part one of my message. Part two, I calling it time and the measure of days. I, you know, this is uh, toward the end of the year. It's always a good time of year to, to, to measure your days, to take stock of your days. A number of you over the next couple of days are going to come up with some resolutions. Maybe something like, I, I, I'm going to lose five pounds. Uh, that, that's, that's mine, okay? <laughs> and I'm going to lose five. I've, I'm already thinking about the ways I'm going to change my diet <laughs> and, and then run around a little bit um, to lose those five pounds, hopefully within the next couple months, okay? Some of you are a little more ambitious than that 20. <laughs> you're, you're thinking about dropping 20 or 30 maybe. Um, some of you are thinking, I'm going to go to bed earlier. I'm going to be more attentive to my kids or to my wife. I'm going to patch it up with my dad this year. I'm going to study harder. I'm going to do better at my job, something. That's, that's next year. But today, I invite you to take stock of the year. And if you measure your days, they're not a lot. In one year, you get 365.25. We we kind of like slip slip that 0.25 in every four days, all right? You get 365 and change. And you realize you don't get a lot of these. Some of you, many of you, some of you, many of you in this room, you're young. You think you're young. Some of you are not so young. Okay, you're like, okay, don't remind me, Pastor, okay? Um, If you don't get a lot of these 365 and then sums, it's worth chewing on what has happened in these days. Um, Just just, uh, yesterday when we were at this uh, 100th day uh, celebration, I, I got to meet, I mean, I was hanging out with my cousins, and then I got to meet his cousins on the other side of the family. I'm, I'm, I'm his cousin from his dad's side of the family, and I, was, I met some of his cousins on his mom's side of the family, and I, I introduced myself. My name is Susan, you know, I'm his cousin on dad's side. And this is my wife, Grace, and I was chatting with these guys, and, um, and then one of them asked me, so how long have you guys been married? And I said, uh, uh, 16 plus years, and the guy looked at me and said, what? 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 Say that again? 16. 16. He's like, no. Are you kidding? He got this look. He got this really shocked look on his face. He's like, are you serious? <laughs> and um, I said, yeah. And then, and, and he goes, wait a second. Didn't you just say, and, I, and within my sermon, I, I said that I was in my early 40s. So he believed that I, I could be married for 16 years. And he, you know, you, I can see him doing the math in his head. Okay, that means this guy got married in his late 20s. But then he was looking at, at my wife and he said, I'm looking at your wife, and like, when did she get married? When she was 13? <laughs> and so he just couldn't believe. So he actually t- turned to Grace and said, how old are you? That's actually a, a really rude question. You're not supposed to ask women how old you are, right? Um, and uh, I said, wow, like, he's so shocked. He, he's just straight asking the, the wrong question. You're not supposed And so my wife said it, and so I'm sorry, Grace. She said, I'm 39. She doesn't care, actually. She's not. 
Um, I'm 39. And then he goes, wow, I'm 39, because this guy's got gray. <laughs> he's got some gray, and he's like, well, I'm 39. He's like, wow, you're the same as me, right? And so despite the fact that my wife looks young, she's not got many of these 365.25s left. You realize that? She may have only another 39 left. If you go by the average, you know, census data or something like that in America, she might have another, she's at the halfway mark. She's at halftime here. You realize that? My wife's already passed the second quarter. This is halftime. She could look like she's in the first quarter, but she's at halftime. She's only got another 39 of these 365.25s less. And if you think about these days, and I hope you do. Most of them are pretty mundane. And they, they feel like not much. You know, you can, have, you can have money and you can have success and you can have comforts. I mean, most of us in this city, we would not have been in that stable. Most of us, we would not have been invited among those shepherds. We would have, we'd be lucky if we get to show up with the wise guys. Right? Uh, but even then, if you count most of the days, they're pretty mundane, aren't they? And they're not filled with a whole lot. The days feel kind of poor. And it's just one day after another. Some of you know what I'm talking about? Some of you maybe really feel that way. It's if your year has not gone well. And if you've gone through a hard spell this year. But even those of you who've gone well, I mean... Most of the days are, I mean, most of the days aren't, aren't memorable. You get up in the morning, and you, if you're like me, you like, turn the thing off, and, and, then, and then you turn it off again, and then you turn it off again, right? And while my wife is like, eh, she's getting, really, she's, she's used to it now, right? I used to really annoy her. Um, and you crawl out of bed, you brush. Do you remember what it was like to brush your teeth this morning? I hope you brushed your teeth this morning. Right? Do you remember? I don't remember. And you drive someplace. You don't even have to know where you're going because you do it automatically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, oh, wait a second. That's not where I was. Oh, darn it. <laughs> you know, those days, those really annoying days when you're not actually going in the same direction and you, you take that same turn anyway. And you're, eh. you, ever, you ever done that? I've done that. It's really annoying. You're like, darn it. It's like, I, I went the usual way, the way I've gone, you know, hundreds of times, but today I'm supposed to go a different way. And that's what those days are like. And you have, um, you know, you, you, you eat, an, eat another meal. I, I, don't eat, I don't, do you remember what you ate yesterday? I actually remember what I ate yesterday because I went to a special party and it was a really good spread of food. But I don't remember what I ate the day before. If I tr- think really hard, I might be able to remember. Do you remember what you ate the day before that? Do you remember what clothes you wore three days ago? Do you remember what was said at dinner? I have a daughter. My youngest daughter says ridiculous things regularly. <laughs> she says hilarious and ridiculous things because the girl has no filter. <laughs> I mean, she has a thought that pops into her mind, and her feelings and the thoughts, I mean, it's on her face. There's no filter. If she's mad, if she's sad, you know, it just comes up. You see, first you see it in her face, and then it pops out of her mouth. So ridiculous things come out of her mouth every dinner time. I mean, and yet, I, I, I can't remember what she said. 
a few days ago. And these are just the mundane things of our life. But if your days are just these things, isn't it just, this is just life. Just day after day. You eat, you sleep, and hopefully you have a little have fun and happiness, something good. But really, what we all long for is our days to be meaningful. Right? You want something of worth. Something joyful. Something beautiful. Something wonderful to happen in the days. And, and if, you, if it doesn't happen, then what do you do? Well, we try to make it happen. Or we try to do something that at least... Hopefully, so we do do things. You go out to you go out to lunch with your friends. You go to dinner with your friends. You go to a restaurant, and hopefully, you want that food to taste really good. I'm going to try this. Some of you are a little more adventurous than others. Some of you always got to go with tried and true. But no, he's like, oh well, it'll taste especially good. And maybe the conversation we'll have will be especially fun. And it'll be a little bit more magical, and the food will taste a little bit better. And it'll be so good, I'll actually remember it or want to remember it. And then you're living, right? Or at least you're hopefully. And if, we, and if it's not that, we, we have to manufacture some other thing to make you feel like the life. The day is like, ooh, that was a day. That was a day. That was a great day. That was a meaningful day. So, like, just, so, so you know, we all, have, we all have different ways. So I'll just pick on the guys today. This is why men watch Sports Center. You know that? So every day, and Sports Center's on a ridiculous number of times. Like if you miss it once and you just wait, <laughs> oh, I missed it on ESPN. I watch it on ESPN too the next hour, okay? This is why men watch Sports Center because they want to see the coolest, most exciting, the most wonderful, the most glorious thing that LeBron did today. Every day, there's a top 10. The top 10 coolest plays of the day. And that, that, by the way, that's my favorite. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever the heck Stuart Scott says, I don't care, right? Get to the play of the day. And that's it. And we watch this thing, and you're hoping to see something wonderful, something glorious that will stick in your mind. You go, whoa, did you see that? And then we get on our phone and you know, Facebook that thing. And then your day was not just another day. So if you count up all the 365.25 days, most of them are, that's about as good as it gets. It's sad, isn't it? But what you're hoping for is some of those days, there's something glorious, something beautiful happened on those days. And so I invite you, you know, you get toward it, I hope you're not just living your life Especially young people. Young people just think, oh, I got many, many years to go. No, you don't. No, you don't. You should count your days. You should measure your days. You should actually savor your days. Um, I'll, I'll just give you some tips. I, I don't know how you do it. Any of you guys journal? Any of you guys journal? It doesn't look like a journaling crowd, okay? San Jose is such a great journaling city, isn't it? Okay, I hope some of you journal. Uh, um, I do not journal because I am too lazy to like actually have a nice book and yeah, whatever. Okay, um, but here what I what I do I do I do certain things um, to 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 review the year. 
Um, I read my old emails. That's one thing I do. Now, some of you guys use emails to do this. I'll see you there at 1230. Okay, see ya. That's your email. Who the heck wants to read that email, okay? <laughs> that email is boring. <laughs> that's, that's not an email. That's a text. I write letters. <laughs> at least I try to. I try to write actual letters. So, not, of course, not every single email. Some of my emails are, like, you know, junk their way emails. But I actually try to correspond with people, and I try to write a paragraph or two or sometimes long letters. And some of them, some of my friends actually write back real letters. And they tell me things like, um, hey, our, my dad got cancer. Would you pray for us? Or, you know, our son just turned three years old this year. And I write back, and I say some of the things that's going on in our life. And, you know, you, you look at the date, February, and you, you see all the things, and you're like, that was what was hard. Oh, yeah, I was praying for that. That was really hard. And this year has been a ridiculous year. I, I, I don't know if it's actually going faster, but it really feels like... Somehow, if you live in San Jose, the rat race of this town, and you have three kids, and you're, you're this kind of stupidly ambitious parent that wants all your kids to have all these stupid activities. In our house, it's piano and baseball and Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Just those three alone. Okay, just those. Just those. Okay, oh, okay. Just those alone will make your life crazy. <laughs> of course, and church. <laughs> and so that right there just makes our life crazy. And I remember this time of year. I remember this. this I actually remember this time of year like it was yesterday because we were on the East Coast. I remember doing this exercise where I was reviewing 2012 and I was thinking about the year and the way the Lord had kept us. But... Um, but this year just felt like just completely just zipped by. Like, it's just, boom, it was over. And I was thinking about this. My son, in a, in a couple of weeks, is going to turn 13. Some of you are like, wait, I remember when he was really little. Yes, he's 13, guys. Five more 365.25 days. And soon he'll be gone. I think about that. I really think about that. Um, uh, a couple of days ago, my son made me measure his height. He grew half an inch this month. He was really happy about that, by the way. <laughs> he grew half an inch this month. I was thinking, wow, measure the days. And while I, look, I read over these emails, I, I read over these emails, I remember when it was hard. And you know, you, the, when the year zips by and you're running the rat race, you don't actually take time to remember the days that were meaningful when God touched you and did something of his glory. I, I was thinking about this this year. I mean, um, I was reminded recently, last year, when we, we were on the East Coast, we were visiting um, my in-laws. And my brother-in-law and his wife, their marriage was suffering. They were in trouble. And we prayed for them. I remember that January, February. See, I, I, had for, I totally forgotten about this. But January and February was a time of prayer for my brother-in-law and his wife. And when we spoke to his wife, you know, we had a Skype chat with her. 
sometime in, in, the, in February, God had made a breakthrough in their life. And I'd forgotten all about that. Those are the meaningful days. I encourage you to do that. I mean, it's so much easier these days. I, I, was, I was doing this last night in, in preparation for my message. Um, I, I, I was looking at uh, my, I have a MacBook. I was looking at iPhoto. Any of you guys have iPhoto? iPhoto, you know, you, it, it, you import all the photos in there. You know what it immediately does? It automatically dates everything and organizes it. So you can go right through the year and you can look at your pictures by date. And I went back four years and I was looking at my kids from three, four years ago and I was looking at that date. I was thinking about, I I shared with you recently that our pastor from our church in the East Coast that he recently died of a massive heart attack. I was looking at his picture because he preached at my, I mean, I was thinking about him yesterday because I was at my nephew's 100th day. But, you know, it, it made me think of my own children's first birthday because that's, you know, Koreans like to celebrate the first birthday. And on my youngest daughter, Elizabeth's first birthday, our pastor, he preached that day. And I was looking at pictures from that day and I was looking at him and I was remembering what he said that day. I could actually remember some of the things he said that day. Meaningful days. Counter days. And all those things, when I look at those things, I see that my life isn't just one rat race, ploppity plop thing after another, after which I will just stop breathing. But that God, he loves me. And his glory is touching me. And I encourage you to take a look at your days and think on this. Let me conclude this message. Seeing the glory of God. You know, every day, the reason your life feels like, it doesn't feel like much, what you're really longing for, something, here's what I said, something wonderful, something beautiful, something compelling, something worthwhile. Well, the Bible is a word for that. The, the word in the Bible is glory. Every single day, you want to taste something glorious. That's what you're looking for. Guys, that's what you're looking for on ESPN's top 10. You're looking for glory. The heart is glory poor. You may have money in your bank account. You may have a nice job, but the heart is constantly glory poor. And we constantly, each day and day out, we're trying to find some glory that we can make. Some little piece of man-made little flash. ESPN's top ten. Or the In-N-Out Burger. I like In-N-Out Burger. Double-double with grilled onions. That's my favorite. Okay? With the milkshake and the fries. Okay? (laughs) (laughs) He's right. It's, It's ridiculous. Okay? And, um, but that's man-made glory. And after you eat it, your heart will still be glory poor. And your day will just be another day. But Christmas is an invitation. There was a day when God let you 
invited very poor people. It was a day. And this is the invitation I offer you today. Christmas is a day where he invites poor people to glory. And this is how it says. This is what it says in verse 9. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. And what did it say? And the glory of the Lord shone around them. That's, that's, that's a good day. That is a day worth remembering. That's a day worth emailing. That's a day worth sticking in a journal. In fact, the journal that we call the Bible. The glory of the Lord shone around them. And there's this thing I say to you. If you come to this church, you will hear this on a regular basis. Where is the glory of the Lord really found? I say this to you. Um, Some of you actually pay attention to this. At the end of the service, I give you this word we call the benediction. Literally means the good word. Bene, good, diction, word. The good word. I give you a good word. And the benediction, I, one of the benedictions I like to share to you is, the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The glory of the Lord comes from the face of God. At every day, you don't really know this. Most of you don't know this. What you're really hoping for is the face of God. That's what you're looking for. It's in that face that this deep glory poverty heart will be filled. That's really what you're looking for. You know, that, that benediction that I offer you, it's from Numbers chapter 6, but this is what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I mean, this theme runs throughout the Bible. This is how Paul puts it in 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts. It says here, it's shown to the angels. It's shown in our hearts, not shown on top of the angels on a dark night. Shown in your heart to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. There we go. The glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's where your glory poverty gets quenched, in the face of Jesus Christ. Christmas was the first day this was offered. And this is Christmas. You don't have to be there and go and actually see the baby. You apprehend the face of Jesus through faith, through the gospel. And recently, um, I took uh, a number of our members through a discipleship training. And on the very last day of discipleship training, I had, I had a lesson that I entitled Face to Face. And what I like to do is read a little portion to close out this message of what I had our, our discipleship folks go through to learn. And a number of them said this was very helpful to them. And I want to share this with you. This is the way I'll close out today's message. All those of you just like the shepherds, you're not better than the shepherds. I hope you, don't, hope you know that. Lowly, glory poverty, with mundane days, maybe sad, maybe you're down, and you go to behold the face of Jesus on Christmas. Here's what I wrote. Medieval theologians called it the visio dei. That's Latin for the vision of God. 
That's what the medieval theologians called it, the visio dei. Some called it the beatific vision. Beatific, that means so beautiful, so glorious, that is blessed. It is a vision that is beatific. What they meant was that according to the Bible, there is something so utterly glorious awaiting the children of God that nothing on earth could compare. Even every suffering and loss would be answered and consoled by this glory awaiting God's children in every poverty. What they were referring to was that one day the children of God will get to gaze into the very face of God himself. And when he looks upon us, with recognition, pleasure, honor, and total love, the beauty we will, hold, we will behold will be so infinitely great that it will cause our hearts to overflow with joy, awe, and wonder forever. It isn't that we will simply go to the good place. It isn't that we will have pleasures and riches. It isn't merely that we will just have pleasures and riches in heaven. What's awaiting It is that when the most glorious, infinite, and omnipotent, and most important person ever, whose face is unspeakably and awesomely beautiful, when he knows you through and through with nothing hidden, when he accepts you wholly, completely, and is utterly pleased with you because he has washed you of every stain, blemish, and shame and looks upon you the way he looks upon his very own son not only will you feel deeply whole and satisfied but an unending ocean of unimaginable joy will flow out of you for all eternity for every single day forevermore that is the promise of the gospel That's what Christmas offers you. Let's pray. Last Sunday of the year, Lord, and I pray that we would take stock of our days and we would take both our riches and our poverty, we would take all our joys and our pains and we would come we would receive your invitation to come and behold the baby savior the man God the suffering servant the one who enters into every sadness and darkness the one who breaks up the mundane of days the one whose glory far more and far more worthy and far more satisfying than any man-made glory that we can ever concoct. May we accept your invitation to come to Christmas and come to Jesus. Give us eyes of faith to see his face and know that when the face of God himself looks upon us It is not a face of anger. It is not a face of disappointment. It is not a face that dismisses us. 
There is a face that recognizes us, who has known us, and who loves us, and who receives us. And in that face, all that we have been longing for, all that we have been searching for, day in and day out for all of our years, we have found Him. Cause us to see this and believe in us. Give us a really great 2014, Lord. In Jesus' name.